Welcome back to Where Do We Go From Here? And as always, thank you for tuning in. On this episode four of my series, Workplace Design, Past, Present, and Future, I interview Principal Lori Powell and Marketing Team Leader, Megan Robinson, both from NBS Commercial Interiors. For those not in the corporate interiors or workplace realm, NBS is the largest steel case dealer in Michigan and Northwest Ohio. NBS collaborates with many architecture firms in the area, including my company, and together we have collaborated on many corporate interior projects with NBS for about a decade. So sit back and please enjoy. Welcome, Lori Powell and Megan Robinson to this podcast. Tell the listeners a little bit about MBS Steelcase, a company that I personally have worked with on many projects. Describe kind of what you guys do as a company and what your individual roles are. Right. Well, thanks for having us, Scott. At NBS, we are actually known as the largest steel case dealer in Michigan and Northern Ohio, but we continue to evolve our company. And today we are what you'd call an interior integrator. Our whole philosophy is around creating inspiring workplace experiences. Uh, So it's looking at the entire space versus just a piece of it, like the furniture or like the workplace technology, but integrating that all together. We achieve that through our in-house divisions. So we have five divisions, construction solution division that really focuses on occupied spaces, specifically architectural products, flooring, and then some new trends that we're seeing in outdoor spaces as well. Our core business still is office furniture. We have workplace technology, so integrating AV technology into the workplace seamlessly. And then we have a cleaning division where we focus on floor cleaning, window cleaning, furniture cleaning, pretty much everything outside of janitorial. So to kind of sum it all up, we look at the overall experience in space. Excellent. And specifically, Laurie, what do you do? And specifically, Megan, what do you do for Steelcase NBS? So my role at MBS, I'm our chief client officer and one of the principals here. So I actually work specifically with our sales team on strategy and then our overall team on strategy, implementation and execution around the client experience. And then I'll let Megan share a little bit more about her role. Yes, thank you. So I am the marketing team leader at NBS and I have the privilege of really getting to share our message in the market. So I have a core team and we, of course, create our website, social media. We do all of our events. We support our internal team with marketing, um, collateral and resources. But our goal is to make sure our sales team have the tools they need to really help create great experiences for our clients and to be these brand ambassadors for the company to share who we are and how we can help. One of our fun facts, Scott, I would say, is that Megan and I are both interior designers by education, but have migrated into different parts of the company and kind of leading in different ways, whether that's sales or marketing and just kind of overall leadership. Well, fantastic. I appreciate that. I'm sure the listeners do, too. 
Uh, getting right into some of the the subject matter, obviously, you guys know I'm sort of in a series of workplace, past, present, and future. And in the second episode, I kind of talk about the evolution of remote working, which has been, I think, for all of us, a bit of a roller coaster ride. Given your experience, what do you see the remote working evolution through and coming out of the pandemic? Because you guys have a very unique perspective. Much like myself, you guys live it as our own businesses, but then you're also providing feedback and recommendations to your clients. So, Scott, I would say this is still a hot topic, if you will. I think there's varying opinions based on uh, if you're a leader in the company versus an employee and everywhere in between. So I'd say it's all over the spectrum. But with what we do, we believe that space matters, right? And that it is part of the equation to help promote culture and productivity and overall business results. So for us, we know that people need to be together, but they don't want to come back to what they left. They actually want to come back to better spaces, right? And that's where we're really focused on trying to earn that commute for our own team members and then also our clients. Yeah, so I'll um, add on to there too, Scott. I think that through this evolution, we've really also seen um, just a bigger driver in that technology is playing in the workplace. Even though people may still be in the office, they still could be on video calls, right, with clients or other team members. So when we left our spaces back in 2020, we maybe had two, maybe three spots in the office that had video conferencing And now almost every space is video enabled. So we've really seen this shift in enhancing our spaces to support hybrid work and um, hybrid collaboration and to make it more seamless and intuitive for our team members. Because if it's frustrating for them, then they're not going to want to come into the office. And we want them to be here. We want our team to be collaborating in person, but still have the option to join on video when necessary. And so we've really seen that shift in enhancing our spaces to better support that. I also just think that attracting and, and engaging our team has you know, really had to, had to shift too. We've spent the last year updating our own space in many ways from different applications and settings to create that better experience. And we listen to them to understand what do they need now because people's needs have changed. So it's, it's, it is a total evolution. Um, but we're we're getting there. Yeah. And I would say just circling back to your original question, Scott, you know, Megan mentioned technology. I kind of went right back to getting people back together in space. We realized that there are some things that you can do very well at home. Answering email, being very focused in some instances can be done at home. But it's also creating that right connection for your team members because you don't have to be in the office all the time. But we also feel like you don't need to be at home all the time. So that technology interface allows our team members right to have a little bit more choice and control over their day. And if they need to be in for a meeting or if they can join that remotely. So technology has played a really key role, I would say the COVID situation and like getting everybody connected, but also getting everybody back to the office, but at the right intervals. So when you have to be there versus when a remote meeting might also be appropriate. 
Right. No, good commentary. And I, I think with, you know, remote working certainly has changed the landscape for getting talent and talent acquisition. How do you feel companies are going to attract and, and more importantly, mentor talent? And how does that relate to how difficult it is lately to onboard people? Scott, I would say that we really believe that people are the new amenity. We need our people, our more seasoned people, to be in the office to mentor and transfer that knowledge to those new team members. Uh, Steelcase has done actually a lot of research and gained a lot of insights on the different generations at work. And Gen Z, they also like to call it iGen in some ways. They are used to having the internet at their fingertips. I think that's still important to them. But they've also found that these people want to be in the office gaining knowledge from team members who have had those uh, real life experiences and not just, again, the learning that they've gotten from their education. And I think even creating settings that support mentorship. So we even um, reconfigured an area in our space that was underutilized and said, okay, we're now going to call this the partner porch. And it's two high adjustable desks that are uh, on casters that can be moved around and reconfigured. But two people can reserve that space, whether it's for the day or for a few days, and really be able to sit side by side and onboard and mentor and share knowledge and to be able to teach. So we are really intentional about creating a space that really promotes mentorship and onboarding. And our team now understands that when there's a need for that, they know right where to go. And we're not having to move people around and, hey, can someone sit next to you here for the week because they're new? Like this is a dedicated spot just for that. I think the other thing that is interesting is we we talk a lot about mentoring, but there's also the concept of reverse mentoring. And some of these people that are entering the office now are able to teach different types of skills to some of the people who are more senior or have been here for uh, many years. And we have a great example through our brand and market management team where we have someone who is a boomer. And we have someone who is uh, that Gen Z, iGen type generation, and they work very well together. The transfer of knowledge is happening both ways, more around historical ways to approach things to um, this newer team member. And then from a newer team member's perspective, the technology the use of being able to collect data differently than, you know, maybe this other team member had seen. So it's just a really great overall experience for both. And that's, again, why we need to be back together. Well, you're speaking my language because one of the things that I love, I'm a purveyor of data and I love analytics. And you guys, I know you guys do a lot of studies as it pertains to how people work, which is extraordinarily important. What sort of insights or analytics have you guys kind of collected lately to kind of educate us and the listeners a little bit on new people entering the workforce or how people are working right now? Yeah, so Steelcase, our partner, they are a global leader in research on the workplace and how people are working. So they have done extensive research as well as, you know, we have read up on other workplace trends and 
um, in the industry. But what they're really seeing is that of all the generations, Gen Z places the most importance on the office and being together than any previous generation. So that's, I think, something to take note of and why companies need to really embrace being together in the office. They also want you know, more development opportunities to learn, especially since with COVID, they were you know, isolated and we had to you know, quarantine for all those years when they were missing out on mentorship. They also are looking for a company whose values align with their own. So they put an emphasis on purpose in their work and want to see how they're, they're making contributions to the company's greater goals. And part of those values to them really do include sustainability and DE&I. And so they want to you know, understand from their company where they stand on that and to see a genuine effort made by the company in those areas. And Steelcase, I would say, just published um, some new research, and it really focuses around two main topics of people and planet. And Megan was speaking really to some of these different pillars, if you will, around the emphasis being put on employee well-being, right? And also DEI, as well as sustainability. So it's not, it's not just about the people, but it's also about supporting the planet in all that we do. So I think leaders um, going into you know the next few years will need to take note of that. And if this is what the next generation is looking for, how can we weave that into our own you know strategy and workplace and organizational culture, right? To to showcase that we are supporting well-being, DEI, and sustainability. Interesting. Given the latest analytics that Steelcase has put out, is a bit of a pivot question from your last statement. Was there any one thing or any couple things out of the data that kind of surprised you? I'll be honest. I I think that the focus on sustainability was a bit surprising, at least for us here. I'm going to say in the Midwest, I think that a lot of times these trends start on each coast and make their way in. But we've always been talking about sustainability. And, you know, Steelcase has been a leader in that with carbon neutrality. They are a carbon neutral company. But really thinking about that and all that we do, and it's not just about the people today, but really like how do we support the people of the future through what we're doing with the planet? Right. No, I think that's very important. We're seeing a lot of push and trend toward the well, especially internally in the office, which I think is going to be more paramount as we go on. And to touch on one of your points, I will say that as somebody who does corporate interiors work, Steelcase and I think JLL, you guys in JLL put out some of the best analytics uh, as it relates to office. And given that, I mean, Steelcase and and NBS certainly put out sort of workplace trends that they see as going. So what do you guys see, not down the road, because we'll talk about it in a little bit, but what do you see coming into 2024? Because now everybody's looking to, you know, get ready for the new year. I think moving into 2024, I think the focus is really still the same. It's it's business leaders trying to figure out what is their strategy. And it's a not a one size fits all answer. It truly is leadership led. It's around what they're trying to accomplish. 
whether that's bringing their people back together, right, to continually promote culture and results, or whatever that right mix is in people being together and people being remote to get to those uh, goals that they're setting, right, for 2024. Yeah, and I think flexibility and choice will continue to be two drivers, both personally from like a schedule perspective, right, I'm flexible, but also in the workplace are the space is flexible. Do I have choice when I show up every day on where I'm going to work, where I'm going to meet, how, how am I going to work? And I think too, for, you know, leaders and companies to really make sure that their real estate is resilient and it can be optimized to its fullest. Because for those companies that have, you know, maybe downsized a bit, how can their real estate work harder and maybe have some flex spaces that, can transform to support, you know, larger town halls a few times a year when they need to, and then maybe back to maybe a couple smaller conference spaces or social spaces. So really making the real estate, you know, be as functional and productive and inspiring um, for these organizations and just work harder. I think Tim K did a nice job in the last episode of talking about the space has to be right. I think that that is what business leaders are really focused on right now is how do they create that right ecosystem to support the business that needs to get done to produce the results that they need. That's great. And again, boy, you guys are hitting all the points that are that I'm passionate about. So in the next episode, I kind of give my summary as to what I think the future kind of holds for an office. And boy, I think Megan and Laura, you guys touched on two of the big things that I'm seeing. One, that the office no longer is a physical place. It's more of an idea. But Megan, you mentioned the word ecosystem, which is really how I think it's going to be. But I'd like to get kind of your thoughts on whether it is an idea or a physical place. So I would say, I think both Megan and I truly believe that it is a physical space that is going to look different for everyone. But back to um, talking about ecosystem. So thinking about what types of applications really work to give your team members or your employees the right choice and control over how they're working and where they're working throughout the day. So some of those spaces might be high tech spaces. Some of those spaces might be lower tech spaces. Some of those spaces may be no tech spaces. I think that Tim Kay also mentioned in the last episode, um, a lot of people are focused on cafes, right? Where people can just come together and collaborate. That's so important. Additionally, places where people can have privacy, right? So they can get focus work done. But all of those places build that unique ecosystem for each company. Um, and that's really what we're focused on in helping our clients. Yep. And I think adjacencies are going to be really important in the future, too. You know, I think about how they may be designed in the past where you had this large floor plate and all the meeting rooms were clumped in one corner. All the workstations were clumped in this corner, and maybe there was a few enclaves in this corner. Now, when we are designing and space planning these floor plans, everything is really kind of, you know, more integrated together where I can get up and within 20 feet, I'm at a meeting space or the other direction, I'm at a, a focus space. I think thinking about the adjacencies that people, it's just more this inclusive design where we're able to access these spaces a lot easier than we were before. 
I think the last thing I would just mention, Scott, is that I think business leaders are also thinking about their real estate strategy. And in some instances, they're looking to reduce real estate. So I think business leaders are really looking at their overall real estate strategy. And in some respects, they might be looking to shrink that. I think that also has building owners looking at how they can really maximize the space within their buildings, whether that's providing amenity spaces where multiple companies can come together or conference spaces that can be rented a few times a year when everybody um, is in the office and they need that additional space. So I think that that is also a big trend we're seeing uh, heading into 2024. No, and that's good. It's it's interesting that you mentioned that because we certainly reduced our uh, square footage in our office in Detroit, and we're you know now looking at doing it potentially in other you know nor locations. Um, that being said, you know some clients are also in some trouble on their leases too, and and there is a financial aspect to it, which is a challenge too for owners, given. What's going on right now? And I, we've seen this with Goldman Sachs and Google that you know try to mandate people coming back. And and Lori and Megan in our area, General Motors, you know, last year they made a mandate that they had to kind of pull back a little bit. There was a big resistance, you know, from employees coming back to the office. And you know, my last episode we kind of showed that some statistics that five days a week is kind of pushing people away and creating really more of a lack of production and more mental fatigue. Four is kind of on the fence, but the sweet spot seems to be three days of coming into the office. But what are you seeing with your clients? And I guess what kind of recommendations would you make to your clients? I would say, Scott, that we're seeing some consistency to the information you just shared. Three days a week, four days a week. Uh, But I think the biggest thing is that The office, to your point, needs to be a magnet, not a mandate. And so Steelcase and Neiman Marcus just did a great new site in Dallas. And one of the Neiman Marcus leaders was quoted saying just that. The office needs to feel like a magnet, not a mandate. And that's really the topic, right, that is top of mind for leaders today. And how do they make it a magnet, not a mandate? And I think, too, you know, if you want to bring people back, then they want to come back and see other people. Right. Because as Lori said, people are the new amenity. So for leaders to communicate to their teams, like you know, we work in neighborhoods at NBS. So each neighborhood is kind of aligned on we're all going to be here Tuesday, Thursdays or we're all going to be here Monday, Wednesdays. And so those team members know when they show up on a Monday, they're going to see their teammates, which is great. And that's what they want when they come into the office. They don't want to come to a ghost town. They don't want to come just to jump on a team's call, right, with their coworkers. So I think having some strategy and alignment within the different disciplines and teams on when they're going to be in at the same time is really important. And the more synergy we create and that energy and buzz they get when they come in the office, they may want to come in more. So maybe they start with two days and they come in three and then maybe four. Lori and I are here five days a week because we because for me personally, this is my magnet. I'm not mandated to be here. I want to be here because we've we've built this amazing space and I'm surrounded by amazing people. So I think when companies can find that sweet spot and get their team members excited about the space and about being together, that's when they're really going to see 
the results they want and just get excited for their culture to continue to grow. Well said, Megan. No, and I totally agree. I think um, given what we just previously talked about, you know, the office being sort of a, an ecosystem, technology is going to play a huge part in what that is because it's the technology has to go with you no matter where you're at. If you're in the office, uh, if you're at home, if you're in the park and that technology moving forward is going to have to be that fabric that's going to bridge all of these different locations. So given that, what do you see? What part do you see technology playing in sort of the office evolution as we're moving forward? But is it also a little bit of an amenity to bring in younger talent and get them excited? I think so. I think technology really is at the center of everything workplace now, especially because there are right companies that are always going to have remote workers. There's companies who have workers that live in different states, right, that maybe don't even live in the state. Um, so that technology piece is key uh, to bringing people together when they can't physically be together in space. I think to your question, too, Scott, around, you know, what are what are people looking for when they come in? A new trend that we're also seeing um, that still needs to integrate technology is outdoor spaces. You know, a lot of times, you know, we focus on being an interior integrator, but we also are now focused on creating outdoor environments because being in the sunshine, right, being in the fresh air, like that's what people are yearning for. And so how do you create not just a patio, but a space that fully supports that with technology so that people can have meetings outside and interact outside and connect, right, um, while enjoying all the things that the outdoors brings? Yeah. And that connects back to well-being, too, which is huge. Yeah, no, I agree. That's a great point, Lori. It seems like um, well before the pandemic hit, the sort of uh, amenity space of outdoors was such a, a huge thing and, you know, something that a lot of clients asked for. And then all of a sudden it just kind of fell away. It sort of dissipated. And I'm not really sure why. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, I think the other thing to that point, Scott, is that during the pandemic, people were able to go outside more and in the middle of the day, take a walk or just, you know, jump outside and take a break. And that was something that, you know, for us, we're always trying to look for what's next and um, how do we stay ahead of, you know, what's really happening in the workplace. And so for us, these outdoor spaces and creating and giving people that same type of experience even coming to the office was really key in all of that. No, absolutely. And, and I think it's it's interesting you say that, Laura, because maybe in a weird way, the pandemic reminded us how important it is to get outside yeah, and get some fresh sure, air. For sure, for sure. In the last episode, uh, Tim and I discussed a little bit of, of AI in the future and how we work in the office. And it's interesting because last week I was in Toronto to do our long-range planning and we had six sort of breakout seminars. Three were on culture and three were on AI. Wow. <laughs> so you can obviously see the impact and importance of those two subjects moving forward as we progress in the office. But how do you see AI in how we're going to work now? Because it's already here now and in the future. Yes, Scott, I, I would say AI is here. And so you are exactly right. And I think that we just need to all understand how we're going to embrace it. Um, I do think 
AI can help us be productive in what we do. And there's certain things that really quickly um, AI can help us with. Um, Chat GPT in particular. Um, I know Tim referenced some things that JLL is doing and others are doing. I know Steelcase is looking at that as well. Um, but I, I will tell you the thing with AI is you have to understand that it's just pulling data. And there's still a really important part of um, everything that we do, and that's around human connection. So I think it can help us and make us more productive in certain ways. It can create great renderings and pretty pictures, but it's just that, a picture. The data behind it, the experience behind it is, I think, more of a personal thing. And that's where, you know, we're really trying to talk to our team members about how do we use this? How do we embrace this? But how do we continue to remain relevant knowing that AI is here and is going to progress in the future? That's great. Great feedback. And I think, uh, Megan, I'm specifically interested to see uh, on a design standpoint, how do you think the AI is going to work in even laying out interior spaces? Yeah, like as, as Lori mentioned, I think, you know, for those times when we're in a crunch, right? And the client asks for something tomorrow, using that to create some renderings for us or simple floor plates, right? Just to get the conversation started, I think will be huge because, you know, we don't always have the hours and hours needed to do some of that. Let's use AI and then we can spend that time really listening to our clients and understanding their needs better and then come back with a solution that's really going to meet their needs. But that AI is that upfront part, right, that we can use for those quick turnarounds. And even from a marketing side, you know, our team has already been, you know, utilizing it to help with some, you know, press releases or summaries. So if we create a long blog post, hey, can you now shorten this for me into a two-sentence summary? Can you please create a social media post on this? Yep, no problem. I mean, that's been great for us. So we do that ourselves. Sure. You know, it would just maybe take some more time or even to give me more options. Give me three options and it will spit it out. I just think that if we can use it in a way that's really going to help us be productive, then I, I can see the benefit. And Scott, I, I would say I'm really curious. Uh, you are a design professional yourself. How do you see AI with regard to what you do every day? Well, I, I tend to use it um, at right now sparingly, I think is a fair way to put it. Uh, I do use chat GPT uh, in some areas, but in a lot of the things that I do, I, I tend to use more probably generative AI. So things that are really already built into programs I'm using that a lot of people may not know because generative AI is already built into things like Photoshop and InDesign. And, you know, some of it's kind of already built into Revit. So these are things that we're using already. I, I think Megan's on point. I think from a design standpoint, it can cut down some time uh, as it relates to, you know, the overall design process and a little bit of the analytics. I, I think from an architect's perspective, I could see it being very valuable in code research zoning research and, and those sort of aspects mm -hmm. that are really big time sucks. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, <laughs> we all have to use it responsibly. 
That's yeah, I do. And, and I think Tim was uh, pretty accurate. And we talked a little bit, you know, off off recording, too, uh, about this particular subject. There, there's a reason I think a lot of people are nervous. I think there's two different sorts of AIs, right? There's the AI that people are a little fearful of, which is why even the big tech giants are saying we probably need some regulation mm-hmm. on this because even they're a little nervous. But on the other side, like the AI that you and I will tend to use on the design side, I think is more like a collaborative AI. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. So given that we're talking down the road a little bit, I'm seeing offices sort of dovetailing into other, you know, sort of trends, quote unquote. A lot of them are getting more residential. I I think employees feel more comfortable if it's more, it doesn't look like the office they left previously to to the pandemic, uh, some larger gathering spaces and certainly larger cafes or kitchens, which, like I talked about the last episode, are really just now gathering areas. In your experience, like, what are the spaces that you're seeing as being most desired by your clients, uh, especially as they're trying to lure, you know, employees back to the office? You know, I, I would start by saying, you know, it, it's really around creating neighborhoods or functional areas that will allow team members, employees to get their best work done. Uh, so it's it's a range, right? So there's private focus spaces where they can jump in and take a call or do heads down work. It's open spaces where they can come together and collaborate, whether that includes technology or not. It's also spaces that they can call their own. So it's it's very interesting. There's been a lot of research that's come out around people wanting their own space, even though they don't want to be in the office four or five days a week. Uh, And that plays back to overall real estate strategy. So as companies are moving forward, really looking at that to say, does everybody continue to own their workstation or is that becoming more of a shared space to offer other types of spaces to really engage people in their best work? So that's kind of what we're seeing. And I don't know, Meg, if you would want to dive yeah, a little deeper. You know, of course, it depends on the person, right? So this is where, you know, what kind of spaces are more popular? Well, some people come to the office because they want to collaborate. So they're looking for those spaces. Other people come because I've got my kids at home and I need to focus. So looking for focus spaces. So that's where circulate back to this ecosystem, you really need to provide everything. You need to provide the me spaces and the we spaces because this full experience that people are looking for. And again, to draw them back, you know, it has to be functional. It has to be inspiring but it has to support them. And to support them, you need to meet all of their needs. The need to focus, the need to connect, the need to learn, the need to rejuvenate, the need to socialize. So we need to hit all of those pieces. And again, you know, it's it can be personal, right? What they're really looking for. But I have seen this increase in shared spaces over the last few years. I think as workstations have shrunk, We've gone from the eight by eights to the six by six, right? And who knows how much smaller we can get. Reducing that workstation and then taking that real estate and adding in more shared spaces, we've really seen that um, start to take fold. And to your point, Scott, it really is people want to come back to something different, something better than what they left prior to the pandemic. Right. I appreciate the bullet points that you threw out, like the socialization, the focus. I think those are all really important things. 
my next question to you guys, because you guys are designers, you're used to pressure. So this is going to be <laughs> this is going to be a pressure question for you guys because I know mm-hmm. you can meet the expectation. So everybody's going to be on the edge of their seat to know what you guys are seeing in the office the next three to five years. Like, what do you see happening? How do you see people working? And how should our clients prepare for what you're thinking? You know, I I think that's a really great question. And, you know, when I am reflecting on that, I think about last week, we participated with the Detroit Economic Club and we had Sarah Armbruster, who is the CEO and president of Steelcase and Bill Emerson, who is the COO and president of Rocket Companies, who spoke to the club. And that same question was posed. And I think Bill Emerson answered it best. And he kind of took a different twist and said, could we have really predicted what our current situation would be five years ago? And I kind of say the same thing. I think we can talk to trends. But to be honest, Scott, I don't know that, you know, Megan or I know. We know what might work for us and what might work for NBS culturally because we live and breathe that every day in our roles. Um, But, you know, the big things to focus on are really what spaces are going to make your team most productive, right? And I think that that is going to drive the future. And it's about understanding what people want. It's about understanding what the business needs. And then one of the, the key things, again, is tying back to longer term with regard to some of the research that Steelcase is putting out right now around sustainability and the planet and what's going to be great for the planet going forward. Yeah. And I would just also add on that I think that now that people have this more taste of flexibility in the workplace and in their schedules, I, I think that will stay into the future. I think having that flexibility will continue to be key, but always having this home base, always having this office space to bring people together. I don't see that going away in the future. Yeah. I'm not sure it's going to be five days in office ever for a lot of companies, but to Meg's point, uh, flexibility is key. And I think that the one thing that people appreciate now coming out of the situation that we all just lived through is being able to have a little more flexibility in their day um, as a part of their daily routine as it relates to work. No, that's great. And I'm glad to hear you say that, Megan, about the office isn't going away because I I think I'm very much aligned. And I think, uh, Laurie, on the sustainability, it always amazes me, even with my own kids, but, you know, with the younger workforce, the mental health, the sustainability these are all really important things to them. And I, I think back to being that same age in that place was something I never thought about. Yes. And I do think us being isolated and remote working for so long, you know, that did put a strain on mental health. And so to me, my office is my second home, right? We, I spend more time here than I do at my own home. So having this state place, this place where you feel authentically yourself, you, you can show up every day yourself. Um, having this, you know, great leadership it communicates what their mission is, how everyone is a piece of the greater puzzle and how we're all working to this common goal. I think creating that environment, that's just going to get people fired up to be together, to come together. So I'm hopeful for the future. 
Um, and I think what's exciting about our industry is that we continue to see the workplace evolve and hopefully, you know, keep evolving for the better. Exactly. No, that's great. And I think that's a good place to put a bookmark. I, I will ask you both uh, one additional question. Given all the dialogue that we had today, like one or two bullet points, would you like, I guess, the listener to walk away from either about NBS Steelcase, about you guys as designers or about any of the future of workplace? Wow, that's a that's a that's a big question, Scott. <laughs> yeah. I think I would say, you know, because we're both designers, we both are very passionate about space. So whether it's the workplace, whether it's about a third place, whether it's about even like your home office or your home space, it's all about thinking about how can you create that right experience that works for the work that needs to be done in that space. And I think ideally, even though NBS does not touch all of those spaces currently, we always are trying to keep that a focus. And our focus primarily is the drive of bringing that back to the workplace and now these outdoor spaces. So again, just making sure you're thinking through what that overall experience feels like. Yes, I think it's, it, it's experience. Experience is the word I think to leave with, right? What experience are you creating? How do they feel when they're in the office? Um, that's emotionally, cognitively, physically, like what is, what, how are they going to leave every day? And I know for me, every day, day I leave feeling more energized and inspired than when I arrived. So it's, it's that experience. We're all looking, you know, for that in our lives. So how can we best support our people? Yes. And our clients. And I think that's the most important thing to end on. It's at the end of the day, it's always about people, right? It yeah. is. Absolutely. People at the core. I certainly appreciate all your feedback. I see you guys a fair amount, so we're going to keep talking about this because we're all passionate about this subject. I can't thank you, Lori Powell and Megan Robinson, enough for being on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. As we close this episode, huge thanks to Lori and Megan for offering their time and insight into the future of office work. Both Lori and Megan can be found on LinkedIn, and I've placed links to each of them, as well as the NBS Corporate Interiors website in my release announcement posted on LinkedIn and X, so you can see the exciting things and portfolio of what they're doing. As always, I appreciate your support for Where Do We Go From Here? And if you're liking the content, as always, please subscribe and make sure to tell all your friends. And thank you for those of you who have subscribed as my listener base is rapidly growing. So thank you again for that support. Always a reminder, this podcast can be now heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, and iHeartRadio. I definitely welcome your feedback and questions on this episode and any ideas you have for future episodes, I would absolutely love to hear them. Any feedback whatsoever, feel free to contact me at catello.scott at gmail.com. Once again, that's C-A-T-A-L-L-O period S-C-O-T-T at gmail.com. 
I hope you will tune in next month for episode 5, the final episode in this series, Workplace, Past, Present, and Future, when I give my final synopsis, including my vision of what the future of office will bring, which I'm hoping it will spark some good dialogue. Now to the outro track. Boy, Lori and Megan really challenged me with this one, well outside of my wheelhouse. However, I'm never one to turn down a challenge. So, to close out this episode, Lori and Megan, I hope the outro instrumental will make you, well, happy.